0: Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I had told you about earthly things, and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the Gospel of our Lord. And let us pray. Gracious God, send forth your Spirit by the power of your Word to create faith, to forgive sin, and to grow our love for you and for one another. Amen. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. Uh, New Year's and birthdays are kind of cool things, right? Kind of big celebratory things, kind of awesome things, new beginnings. We have this feeling, sort of, right? Except Also, you you could have that one morbid friend in your life who sends you that birthday card that says, congratulations, one more year till death, right? Um, That can be kind of a warning. And maybe that's the Lenten birthday thing for us, right? You're dust and to dust you shall return. Uh, But I wonder if that is why Jesus comes to us this morning and he says to us, don't be shocked by what I'm about to say to you. You must be reborn. That's actually what this word means that we translate astonished or amazed or, or whatever. It actually means disturbed. It means shocked. It means like, what? Wait, 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 Jesus, what? What are you what are you saying here? If we read the text properly, we'll, we'll see that Nicodemus is disturbed. He's shocked, isn't he? He's sitting here going, wait, wait, what? What? He, he's like a a, a kid growing up in the Lutheran church and then going to seminary and having our professor, Dr. Paulson, as a professor for the first time, or Dr. Nestigan, and they all go, wait, 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 what? Jesus did what? Because they were ones who were, they, they, they basically handed us Jesus on a silver platter every single time we had class with them. Whereas many of us grew up in the church thinking, well, it's Jesus and something else. And Jesus spends this morning with Nicodemus holding his hand, guiding him uh, through, through this experience of what it means. What does this mean to be born again, born from above? Because you see, being born again, born from above, tells us that this world is not right. And there is another world to come that we have to be birthed into, just like we were birthed into this one, that our life right now, no matter how awesome it is, or how cruddy it is, is not enough. And what's worse is Christ steals away from Nicodemus and from us any hope we have of giving ourselves assurance by what we can do on our own, by what our experience may even tell us, because the kingdom of God is so far removed from our own kingdoms that we make for ourselves that we have to have Jesus come to us this morning and, and make some corrections. And that's what he does with Nicodemus. For instance, no Nicodemus, you can't crawl back into your mother's womb. Not only is that a little morbid, it'd be a little hard. I, I don't think your mom would like it. For some of you, it's mom's been gone for a while. I, I don't want to be out there with a shovel in the uh, in the, uh In the in the graveyard, helping you out with this sort of thing, but you know he says, "Well, how can I? How can we get? You can't possibly go back into your mother's womb for this sort of thing." And 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 Nicodemus is confused because all he knows is this, right? Flesh and blood things, things we we can touch, things that we've experienced. We can't think that there's something else above us, something else beyond us, and yet. Jesus is using this term, born again, for the purpose of the fact that I don't think anyone in this room consciously said, I think I'm going to be born today. Right? Sitting up in heaven going, I think I'm going to come to earth today and be born. I think for most of us, if not all of us, uh, you were born into this world because mom shoved you into it. And what was the first thing you did? You cried. or. A doctor had to cut a hole in mama and pull you out. And then what did you do? Cried. You left all that wonderful safety and security of the womb, floating around, doing the backstroke and all this other stuff. And God said, "Up, oh, time to go. Shoved you into the world. Which is actually good news because then, yes, Nicodemus, yes, church, you don't have to crawl back into your mother's womb for what it is that God is going to do for you. Your mother thanks you for that. Or, yes, Nicodemus, there is hope for you old sinners who lived life too long. Speaking to all of you who have a receding hairline like mine, or a little gray hair that you wish you could cover up by going to the hair salon, you may be sitting here thinking, well, how can there be hope for me, a sinner who has lived so long, to have too big of a past? Or how can I make up and repent enough for all the things that I have that I have done. And all I can think of is the parable of the vineyard workers, right? Where the the vineyard owner goes out and gets some workers, brings them into the vineyard, and they slave all day, 12 hours. But then he also goes and finds the last ones that only work for an hour. Do they get a lower wage? No. They receive the the same grace. Here, Nicodemus is sitting here going, well... Have I have I gotten it all wrong? Or there's the other side of the coin of, well, my life is comfortable. I've made a good a, a good thing here. It, it, it's, life is going well for me. Why would I want to have a different one? Why would I want to have God come and do this re-rebirthing in me? Things are, are fine with the way that I want them to. That well, that's when the, the law of Lent comes to you and says, You are dust, and to dust you shall return. You will not take those things with you. That there's more to life than all the stuff that we accumulate in, in our lives. And maybe that's why you need to be reborn, because you've lived too long under the shadow of those other gods, of those other things. Or no, Nicodemus, it is not up to you, but things outside of you. This is one of the glorious, wonderful things of, of Lutheranism. Uh, we're looking at verse 5 here. Very truly I tell you. No one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. If you don't see baptism, uh, let me give you my glasses so you can see it here. Christ talking about being born of something outside of you, something that comes to you from the outside to do a work because it's not a work that you can do on your own. In our baptism, and our understanding of as part of the reason why we baptize little babies is because it's a work of God done upon them. Even those of you like me who got baptized at a later age, I got baptized when I was 15. I did not baptize myself. Pastor Peyton was there with me in the water and he baptized me. A work that comes from outside of me. A word that is spoken to me. We often use the the image of, of Lazarus in John 11. He's dead. He stinketh, right? Is he able to raise himself? No. He has to have God himself show up and say, Lazarus, time to get up. And he does. This working of God from outside of us. And if you think this is abnormal, think of your own history. I'm a historian by training. Everyone thinks that it's just a bunch of dead old white men and dates and and all these other things. No. History is about all the events that work together, that play off of each other to create whole new events, which then play off of each other, which create new events, which play off of each other. Your entire life is the culmination of events that happen to you. Am I wrong? Think of the more transformative things that have happened in your life. Were they not things that happened to you? Things that came from outside of you that caused changes in your life. The one that I always point to is the fact that my parents got divorced when I was three. I don't know what life is like to have parents married to each other, right? I, I, I actually, you know, my parents are listening. Love you. Love um, you. I, I look at them and then go, I don't know how they lasted as long as they did. You know, they're, they weren't meant to be together, I don't think. So getting divorced was probably a, a, a good thing. But, you know, I had the I had the extra holidays and the extra presents and all that stuff. And you might sit here and think, oh, that's awesome. No, it's not. Not really. No. Um, but it it's something that happened to me that has formed me in how I'm a husband to my wife. And how I love my wife. And how our marriage goes. It's how I parent my children. It impacted how I was parented and how divorce affected me is how I parent my kids. Things that happen to us, outside of us, that make a change for us. So it's no wonder then that when Christ comes and says, you must be born again, he's talking about something that comes to you from outside of you to transform you, to make a new you out of the old you. For no Nicodemus, it is not about the flesh and the perfection of it or the ability to make the most of this life or how less of a sinner you can be than your neighbor or your climb up to heaven. Here we see Jesus say this first in verse 13. He says, no one ascended to the Father except the one who descended, the Son of Man. He's talking about himself. He's telling you, get off Jacob's ladder. Stop trying to get the escalator to heaven. Stop trying to, to to work your way up there because it's never worked out. It's what we tried in the garden, and it failed. We talk about it as the fall, but it was kind of the fall. It was our attempt to try and be God, and we fell from that. We, we tried it with the Tower of Babel, right? Let's build a tower up to heaven, and it's going to be great. We can take on God, and then we can be God. And then God goes, no, you're going to speak Spanish, and you're going to speak Korean. Good luck. Right, and then it happens at Calvary. It happens at Calvary. We take Jesus and we put him on the cross because we say, "Well, if we can kill Jesus, then we can be God." And how'd that go? He dies, and then three days later, what happens? So putting him to death didn't really work out that well, did it? Stop trying to make your way up into heaven, and Christ even says this. What's uh, uh, what gets birthed in Christ is what is. Just like you are flesh and blood right now, right? You're sitting, you're sitting in your pews or in your chairs uh, on your toques next to some other flesh and blood person, right? You can feel your your pulse if you want to. You can pinch your neighbor, flick their ear, uh, do whatever you want to, just not too loudly. I don't want screams and shrieks and things like that. That. You're flesh and blood. You're here. This is real. We're not in some alternate reality type of a thing. And Jesus says, what is born of flesh is flesh, and what is born of spirit is spirit. It means that the birth that he gives you is an actual real thing. Just as you are birthed into the world as a real, honest to God, human being, flesh and blood, you're here right now. So too is the truth of what the kingdom of God does into you. In you to to birth you into the kingdom of God as a real actual thing in Christ by the Spirit. You are exactly that very thing that He makes you a new creation, reborn. And you may not see it right now. You're like, oh great, you know, it's it's like with baptisms. We baptize the baby and then they go home and they cry about the same things. They're the same terror. They still go through the terrible twos and they still grow up to be teenagers. Right? As I often tell the parents, it gets bad, and then it gets okay, and then it gets really bad, and then it gets okay, and then you wish, like, a meteor would hit your house, and then things get fine. Right? And yet, God is speaking of this truth of what he has done in us and for us. Or, yes, Nicodemus, like the wind, the kingdom of God, and his righteousness blows in from the four corners of the world to transform you and to do whatever it pleases. This should be an easy image for us here in Ridgecrest. Like, easy. Ridgecrest, the the emblem for the city, should just be a gigantic flag almost ripped off of the flagpole. Right? I've never lived in a more windy place. It's brutal. We could go parasailing out here in the parking lot without a boat. But it's this beautiful picture of what what God is doing. The wind blows, and we can try and redirect it somehow, but the wind's going to go where it wants to, right? It's going to affect who it wants to. You can't command the wind, oh, I don't want you to blow today. You're not Jesus. The wind is going to do its work. And that speaks so truthfully of what God does in us. And if you think this is foreign, Isaiah 55, 10 and 11, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose. And shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So if Christ comes to you and says, be reborn, you will be. Or Psalm 115.3, our God is in heaven and does whatever he pleases. The working of God coming to you, to do a thing in you, to make you a new you, because the old you is not enough. Or, yes, Nicodemus, the kingdom of God is real. It is me. I have seen it. I am the witness. I am it. Christ says, I have come to witness to these things, to bear witness of them, to testify of them, to speak of them, that you might know what they are. Why aren't you listening to me? He says to Nicodemus. You're not paying attention, Nicodemus. And so, too, he speaks to us in that. Church, how often do you open the word of God? Outside of Sunday morning on an hour, Right? It's the reason why we do the Grace at Home bulletin. There's readings on the back. Unless I forget to change that part of the bulletin, then you get double readings for two weeks in a row. Um, As well as we have a lecture, we have a a, a two-year lectionary in our hymnal. You can find things online. How often do you open the Word on your own during the day to hear from God? How often do you take the time to hear the gospel apart from Pastor Chris and I preaching it to you? Or, or is it, well, I'm good. I heard it once. I'm good. I don't need to hear it again. Really? I'm a pastor. I need to hear it every day. Because life is full of enough pains, enough sorrow, enough heartache, enough suffering, enough mistakes, enough bumps in the road. I can't make it through without my Jesus. Things are out of my control this word to come and speak to us that Christ might may testify to us of what he needs to continually be doing in us to remind us you are a new you you are a new you especially when the old you crops up right in front of us all the time or yes nicodemus it is true i am life and i am for you be born again that you might see me and be saved from yourself i don't know how much i need to talk about this john 3:14 through 16 We need to talk about the here and now, he's saying. He's saying to Nicodemus, you're messed up. You need help. You're hopeless, lost, broken, dead in need of me. So look to me. I do like one thing I noticed this week in rereading this is that Nicodemus, if you know anything about his life as he goes through the the book of John, Nicodemus is born again because he comes, right? And he says, we know that you're from God and God is with you. And what's the first thing Jesus says to him? He says, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they've been born again. Well, what is Nicodemus seeing in Jesus? The kingdom of God. And here Christ is saying, come and look to me as the rebirth, as the new birth for you, as the kingdom of God for you. Because he goes all the way back to Moses, right? And, and imagine this. I know this is hard for you to believe, but the Israelites pissed off God. I know, that's, that's weird, right? Right? like, what? They were such good people. Um, They're in the wilderness. They make God mad again. And so he sends poisonous snakes. And the snakes are biting people and people are dying. And then he tells Moses, okay, make a bronze serpent, put it on a pole and hold it up. And anybody that looks at it will be saved, will be made whole, Will will be cured. And Christ goes all the way back to that moment and says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes or trusts in him will have what? Eternal life. And then he does John 3.16, which I'm not going to recite for you because you all know it. And if you don't, come see me after. But this idea of trust of, of, of turning our eyes towards Christ, to see Christ for who he is as the one that we need, that gives us a, a newness, a new life, something completely different than what we've been clinging to, where, where he, he, he takes all the old past of us and he destroys it. And even though it sits there under the ether and causes us problems in Christ, you are a new you, because then he finally says, No, Nicodemus, I'm not here to clean house, but to build a whole new one. God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. We always like to see Jesus on the throne, right, as the judge. And, you know, we always like uh, Matthew 25, sheep and goats, and we like those pictures and all these other things. But here Christ is saying, no, I'm not come to condemn the world. Instead, I've, I, I'm speaking along with the words of my servant Paul, who says in Romans 8.1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, pastor, you don't know my past. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, but pastor, you're saying that I can do whatever I want to, that I can go out and just sin boldly and all these other things. Well, come and talk to Pastor Chris and I. We can talk about that. We can ask, well, what do you want to do? But right now I tell you there is no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, Pastor, what about the lady uh, in John 8 who was caught in the act of adultery? He says, Go leave your life of sin. Yes, what does he say first? He looks at her and he says, Daughter, who condemns you? And she looks around and says, No one. And he says, Neither do I. Now go leave your life of sin, saying, I do not condemn you. The result being, Now go leave your life of sin. But now go leave your life of sin or I'm going to condemn you. No, he doesn't say that. This new life in Christ. Without Christ, you condemn yourself. If we were to continue the readings into verse 18, but in Christ, you are a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. In Revelation, he says, I have come to make all things new. That is this thing that should disturb you this morning. It should actually really disturb you because it wants to disturb that old sinner, you the fleshy you, the you who is not enough. That, that old you is yesterday's model, and God is not about your yesterdays. He's taken those, and he's given those to Jesus to take care of, and he put those to death on the cross. So hear the gospel this morning. You have been born again. You've been born again to a living hope in Jesus Christ because he has given himself to you freely, freely, Trust him. Cling to him. Know that whatever else comes to you, Christ, will not be moved. But Instead, he is here to make a new you, so that you have a future and a hope in him. Thanks be to God. Amen.